This is the KPMG Board Insights Podcast, and this episode is about the refinement of ESG issues by investors and companies. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us. This series is being brought to you by the KPMG Board Leadership Center. The KPMG Board Insights Podcast features conversations with directors, luminaries, and business leaders exploring the emerging issues and pressing challenges facing boards today. In this episode, BLC Senior Advisor Stephen Brown and Freshfield's partner Pamela Marcogliesi discuss some of the key takeaways for boards from the 2022 proxy season, including the refinement of ESG issues by investors and companies. Welcome to the podcast. I am Stephen Brown, a Senior Advisor at the KPMG Board Leadership Center, and I'm joined again by Pamela Marcolese who's a partner in Freshfields, where her practice focuses on capital market transactions and corporate governance matters. Welcome, Pam. Thank you, Stephen. Nice to be here. And of course, we're focusing on uh, the 2022 proxy season and figuring out what are the takeaways for boards and others looking at this year's proxy season. Why don't we make your op- let you make your opening statement here? What did we see? Well, um... In many ways, we saw a lot of what we had seen in the past, but at the same time, I also think that um, perhaps we're reaching a little bit of an inflection point. And so what I mean by that is that we continue to see a lot of the E and S and G proposals that we've been seeing in the last several years, they continue to tick up in terms of numbers. Um, But... Uh, In terms of support, the support levels are changing. Um, There's a lot of reasons for that. Um, One of the reasons in particular is that the SEC changed its approach to um, the exclusion of some shareholder proposals based on the micromanagement argument. And so the SEC has now made it harder for companies to exclude proposals, which means that a greater number of proposals have been included on the ballot. I think that there has been a perception by some that some of those proposals maybe were of lesser quality um, or just not appropriate for shareholders to support. And so if you look at the percentages, the the approval rates, um, you will see that there are a number of proposals that really got very high approvals where I think the shareholders thought that they were important and strategically relevant to the company. And then a whole host of proposals that really didn't get very high support at all. So if you look at overall, the percentages of the percentage of proposals that got approved, it's much lower, but that's because the denominator is much bigger. Indeed. And uh you're always looking at proxy season, I tend to think about what's the investor sentiment. Uh, those are your voters, the actual investors. How do they feel? And we saw in 2021 messages being sent that they deeply care about uh, E&S proposals and how it affects your long-term outlook. I think one of the takeaways from this year is that they still care about that, but they're looking at uh, if there's a prescriptive proposal that they wouldn't necessarily support it. And uh, they understand and that the company understands how they feel about environmental and social issues. So they need not have to send a message if they think the proposal is way too prescriptive or they're asking for things which they're just not ready to ask the company to present. So I think you're absolutely right. Um, Particularly on the issue when we look at diversity. Uh, We've seen a lot over the last couple of years. Can you talk a little bit about, about what we're seeing uh, in terms of proposals on that particular issue and how investors feel about it. 
Yeah, so diversity continues to be a really big focus for investors. Um, but I will say it's not happening in a vacuum. Companies now for the last seven or eight years have also been focusing very strongly on this. And so from a board perspective, when you look at the board refreshment trends, um, gender diversity, racial diversity, ethnic diversity, all of those numbers are trending very positively from that perspective. So companies on their part have also been doing a lot of work. Um, that being said, that there are nonetheless a whole host of social um, S proposals that were submitted this year, and they tended to get a lot of attention. Um, a lot of racial equity proposals, which really were new last year, um, and none of them passed last year. And this year, after a year has gone by, um, there's a whole host of them that have passed, getting somewhere in the 60s percent support. And many of the ones that did not pass, nonetheless, had 40%, 30%, 20% support, which is not insignificant and certainly not a data point to be ignored. Um, I think we continue to be on the heels of the pandemic on some of the racial justice movements that we've seen over the last several years. Those continue to resonate among shareholders. So a whole host of proposals focused on workers' rights, employee safety, human rights, those continue to resonate. And to your point, Stephen, I think I think you are spot on, which is to say that there is a lot of information that companies have available to them, either because they are receiving it through engagement with shareholders or their other stakeholders, or because they can observe some of these trends that we're discussing as they're developing at other companies. And I think what it's showing is that Investors are not necessarily supporting ENS proposals for ESG's sake. I think what investors are doing now is being much more thoughtful about what proposals are actually relevant to companies. And those are the ones that they're very willing to step up and either vote in favor of proposals or hold individual directors or boards accountable for perceived shortcomings on behalf of companies as compared to some of the other proposals, which as you described are prescriptive or maybe perceived as being overkill again in a world where companies have really been making tremendous progress already over the last several years. Indeed, Pam. And so now this is a conversation around shareholder proposals. Uh, in the last couple of years, we've talked deeply about ENS and the emergence of ENS proposals. Uh, and typically, when we say that, we're really focused on the E and the S, not necessarily the G. But uh, to give G its proper respect, can we talk about how core governance proposals uh, that we've always seen have reemerged as uh, taking up a little bit higher and we think we'll keep on going because they are core governance proposals. Can we talk about that for a second? Yep, it's a steady drumbeat. It tends to be less um, high profile as the ENS, but if you look at the numbers, there is a steady drumbeat of, of G governance proposals. The two most prevalent ones this past proxy season were the separation of the chair and CEO roles. Um, and the second one was um, lowering the threshold for calling a special meeting. Those are consistent. They come up in just about every proxy season at the top or, or, or near the top. And I think um, the thing about those, though, that's really important and it's frankly important with respect to all of these things we're talking about is that investors will be much more willing to side with management or side with the company when they understand the rationale for some of the structural governance 
um, provisions that the company has adopted. And so it is very important for companies to communicate, whether it's through disclosure in the proxy statement or through engagement, but making sure that investors understand what the rationality is. Because so many times when we work with companies, we realize that there may be very good reasons why certain provisions have been adopted, but nobody nobody's necessarily aware of them because they're not described anywhere. And so um, I think you said it best uh, when you described it in terms of getting credit for your work. The only way you can get credit for your work is if people know what your work is. And so making sure that the disclosure, the messaging, the engagement is, is really very thoughtfully tailored to what the company has been doing and all the progress it's been making. Indeed, when we move on from elementary school, middle school and high school, we forget that, that you need to show your work to get full credit. Uh, but if that's one of the takeaways that folks take from this, uh, it is that you must show your work. And when you show your work, uh, uh, the investors tend to believe you and accept it and they they get the fuller picture than uh, just looking at numbers or looking simply what's on paper. Can we talk about something which we've seen emerge and we've talked a lot about we for, for a number of months, if not years, ESG, and we just talked about the, the core governance proposals, which we think will always be there. But we're seeing emerging, uh, let's call it ESG counterpoints. Some folks will call it the anti-ESG movement. Can we talk about a little bit that and how we as directors and the director community and boards should think about what's happening there? Yeah, so there's been a lot of focus on this. Um, and from various perspectives, I guess I would say, the audience may have heard of certain bills being considered where it would decrease sort of the influence of some of the largest institutional investors when it comes from a, to voting. Um, part of the background here is that the three largest institutional investors, meaning BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard, can hold somewhere between 30 and 40% of any U.S. public company. And so I think the concern is that there's really been a significant amount of power that's been concentrated. And so I think they, the investors themselves have been very wary of this, and many of them have decided to decentralize some of the voting in one way or another. Another development that occurred is BlackRock, for example, decided during this past proxy season that it wasn't going to support as many of the ENS proposals as it had been doing in the past. I think part of it may be, may be as a result of this phenomenon, but also as a result of what we were talking about earlier, where um, there was just so many more ENS proposals that were let go to, to a vote. Another element of this is also the fact that we saw during this proxy season um, uh, a fund that was created called the Strive Fund. And its purported thesis is to invest in anti-ESG or to support anti-ESG proposals, meaning to say that they have a criticism that some of the largest institutional investors are just have over-indexed on the ESG and maybe that, that's not quite so appropriate. It's a small fund and it'll be interesting to see what kind of influence that has, but um, it's interesting in terms of some of the attention that it, it received Another aspect of this that's worth keeping an eye on is that we've started to see a bunch of proposals being submitted that are more right of center than some of the more traditional ENS proposals that we've seen. And so again, it's it's too early to tell and to make broad generalizations, but sort of the indications are interesting and certainly worth thinking about. And so you're, when you put all of this together, you see that there's 
there is something going on. Again, a little too early to sort of predict the death of ESG. I don't personally think that that's what's going to happen, but it may be creating or it may be an indication that we are at a bit of an inflection point. So just definitely something to keep an eye on. Absolutely. Uh, And it, it really puts a premium on your engagement staff, corporate secretary, general counsel, uh, IR, whoever uh, meets with investors um, to really meet with investors and get to the bottom of where they're thinking on particular issues. Uh, Even if there's a proposal that they voted on in favor for the last 10 years, if it's a proponent who has uh, uh, desires that are very different from the person who voted for the last 10 years for it, it matters. And when you've talked to it, when I've talked to investors over time, they said it does matter who the proponent is. And the only way you really get to the bottom of it is that you have to talk to your investors. So there's a premium on engagement. Can you talk a little bit about what the SEC has said recently about their examination priorities going forward in 2022, 2023? Yeah, this is a little bit, to my mind, the flip side of what the companies are doing and what the SEC is doing vis-a-vis companies and the climate disclosure rule, which we can talk about. But this is the SEC focusing on sort of the investment advisory services and the and the products that are being sold um, and really wanting to understand what exactly is meant by ESG fund or impact fund or green fund or sustainability fund, um, and really wanting to understand the methodology for putting the funds together and how it's all being described and disclosed um, to customers. Because at the end of the day, there isn't really alignment or robust definition of what any of this means. And the SEC just wants to, I think, better understand what is going on and making sure that ultimate customers are not being misled Um, When you say I'm investing in an ESG fund, what does that mean? Does that mean that the companies are just better, quote unquote, ESG companies? Does it mean that they have some positive ESG characteristics? Does it mean that other financial metrics are also taken into account? None of this actually means anything unless there's a robust description. And I think that's where the SEC's focus is. It dovetails with what companies are doing, obviously, because the funds only have the information that is being provided to them at the end of the day. And so... Um, part of the challenge is there's not really alignment on the company side from a disclosure perspective as to what ESG means across the board. It means different things to different companies at different times. And so um, I think that's that's where the challenge is. What exactly ESG means is under the microscope, but that said, ESG is here to stay. And it's not going away. Um, and uh, the second point is that engagement matters more than ever. Uh, Would you add to that list? I think that's a really good summary. And I think the reason ESG is here to stay is not because ESG is, you know, trendy or popular or the flavor of the day. I think ESG is increasingly being conceived of as something that is strategically important to the company. And, And so... And and that, I think, is what's helping to sort of separate between what proposals get approved and which ones do not. If if the issue is critical to your company, it is much much more likely to receive high shareholder support than it is sort of a nice-to-have and a fringe issue. And and I think that's why ESG is here to stay. Um, And so I think that is really important for companies, again, to sort of look at all the information that they have and continue to receive, but also think very critically and strategically about their own circumstances and what does matter to the company and what matters less and make sure that they get 
the credit for this work and make sure they have good disclosure and good engagement. Um, because when all of that is aligned and works together and investors are able to understand it, I think that's how the company can put forward its best possible case um, on, on all of these issues. And also it will allow it to better manage the workload because it will allow it to focus resources on things that matter most and uh, deprioritize some of the other issues that don't matter so much to any individual company. Pam, always a pleasure to talk to you and get the insights from you. Uh, and you show us year in, year out when we talk about proxies that there's the numbers and then there's the story behind the numbers. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the KPMG Board Insights Podcast. Be sure to visit the Board Leadership Center website at kpmg.com forward slash US forward slash BLC for more resources and information for board members and business leaders. And be sure to subscribe to the Board Insights Podcast to be notified of new episodes.